0: GonMobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to Gone Mobile. This episode we're joined by Ryan Salva and Joe Mellon from Microsoft. How's it going, guys? Oh, super well
1: man. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Pleasure's all ours. Um, how's how's build been for you guys? Dude, it has been off the hook. I have gotten so little sleep. My voice is a little bit froggy. I've, I've, I've just, in to so many podcast, right, just in yeah. time for a podcast. Just in time for a podcast. Exactly. Exactly.
2: <laughs> we like sounding kind of smoky and, you know, right. earthy I, on, I, a, on I, a podcast. I'm bringing my sultry voice. Yeah, to the sultry podcast. voice. It'll be a, a real gritty episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: That's right. No, it's, it's been good, though. There's been a lot of terrific sessions. Uh, I, I personally enjoyed the keynotes. I thought they were pretty well done. But more than anything else, it's just like getting out and talking to the developers and seeing what people are doing there's so many cool things that people are building uh everything from just humble line of business apps to really freaking cool hololens stuff it's all over the place it's off the hook
2: how about you i mean uh for me just seeing the ai coming in in the keynotes yesterday especially like i I love the uh, powerpoint demo of uh speech recognition and just you know auto-translating i mean just seeing both uh the more like high tech implementations of it, but then also just like ways that can just really uh, help you know everyday presentations, like things like that. It's just been really uh, inspiring.
1: I've actually I've been. Uh with my nine-year-old niece, yep. we've been building a chatbot together. I cannot <laughs> wait to actually bring some of the new stuff that got announced to my to my nine-year-old niece. Wow. It's chatbots with nine-year-olds are all about emoji people. If, uh... <laughs> you didn't know that already. <laughs> now I do. Yeah.
0: Cool. So we we were chatting a little bit before the show. There, there's like a thousand different directions we can take this in, but but one of the things that that sounded really interesting that we haven't really covered on this show. Um, is just React Native in general, and there's there's oh, yeah. a lot of stuff to talk about there. I think, um, but for for some of our listeners who might normally veer towards more say the the Xamarin side of things, like sure. could, could you give kind of a, an overview of like what is React Native and you know what does it give you as a developer? Like how does that ecosystem work?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, so especially for folks who are coming it from the Xamarin uh, side of things, a lot of the same uh, same benefits should feel really, really familiar, right? So Xamarin allows you to take your C-sharp code and deploy to iOS and Android and Mac OS and UWP. Well, React Native is really the same. Uh, the primary difference here being that you're taking your JavaScript code to iOS, Android, UWP, etc. cetera. Uh, the React Native kind of framework itself comes from the good folks over at Facebook. Uh, I'm sure many of you have at least heard of React JS as a JavaScript framework. I mean, it's probably the behemoth uh, right there, side by side with Angular these days, um, in terms of JavaScript frameworks. And essentially, it takes the really kind of brilliant idea of a virtual DOM uh, that was borrowed from React.js. And instead of using divs and span tags to build out the UI and the browser, it replaces those divs and span tags with the native controls, right? So whatever, you know, a button control in Android and button control in iOS. And so you get the exact same Native performance, native UX, native controls that you would get with a Swift app or a Java app or Objective-C or a Xamarin app for that matter, right? Uh, But you get it writing JavaScript. Now, a lot of people, myself included, come to this from the perspective of being web developers, JavaScript developers. But, like, here's the... I, to me, the mind-blowing, the crazy thing. What we're actually seeing is that a lot of developers coming to the React Native ecosystem aren't just coming from the JavaScript world. They're coming from the native world. So these are Swift developers and Java developers. Um, Airbnb is actually the terrific example of this, right? They've got huge, huge teams invested in building native applications, but they've got portions of their, their application that are maybe relatively simple views, maybe they're um, a settings page, or maybe it's a simple content page. And they're noticing that there's a lot of code redundancy between their iOS application and their Android application. And they're just looking for a way to, to consolidate, to reduce redundancy, to hopefully, you know, reduce the cost of maintenance, reduce the time, reduce the headache. And so what they'll end up doing is they'll end up replacing small or even large swaths of their application with the react native piece and so it becomes um oh this, this word always gets overused so much um uh, it becomes a hybrid app and I, <laughs> I don't mean hybrid here like a cordova hybrid app but i mean hybrid like it is part react native and part native app uh and so through that they're able to essentially consolidate their engineering systems for some or all of their app, and uh, deploy out to iOS, Android, and Windows. So then, when you're
0: saying that, that, so so you're you're in your React Native file, your JavaScript file, you're yeah. defining the a button as as you were describing it before. Is this sort of analogous to the Xamarin form sort of
1: approach where it gets compiled down? Like you're dealing with the same abstracted API? Yeah, so good question. So, all right, so in a React Native app, this is where things get a little bit different, and this is what gives React Native some of its superpowers, right? When uh, when you build a Xamarin app, whether it's Xamarin Native or Xamarin Forms, in the end, it's going to get compiled down to an all-native package. In the case of a React Native app, you've got the native wrapper, but the JavaScript is actually executing on a background thread. So you are shipping a single Significant amount of uh, of JavaScript code. Uh, so what happens then is that JavaScript code executes in a background thread in the JSC. That's the uh, JavaScript core, and then it talks across the JSC to the native code across a bridge, and then that will translate and render the native UX. Um, in a typical React Native application. I you know I say that it's you know one of its selling points is that they're shared JavaScript, but typically only maybe about seventy or eighty percent of the code that you write as a developer will be JavaScript. React Native is still it's not as mature as Xamarin, right? Uh, React Native has only been around for I don't know a little bit over a year and a half I want to say uh, maybe close to two years, and uh, and it hasn't even reached one yet. Mm-hmm. So you're not able to stay exclusively in JavaScript. About 20 to 30% of your application, you actually are gonna have to step back and write in the native Swift or Objective-C or Java. This is one of the reasons why it's kind of appealing to a lot of native developers, uh, because they can continue to be very kind of uh, close to the metal, if you will, uh, by continuing to write their native code. And then they can just jump into JavaScript when they want to write something that is obviously going to be a shared component, that is obviously going to be almost the exact same logic, with only with slightly different syntax between the two. and so. Because what you actually ship to the store uh, is a, um, a combination of native code and JavaScript code, this affords you um, certain benefits, right? So what I mean by that is that according to the terms of the App Store, um, here I'm speaking mostly of the Apple App Store, but this applies equally well to the Google Play Store. Um, You are allowed to update your JavaScript code without having to resubmit to the store. It's only your compiled code that actually has to be resubmitted to the store. Well, recall here that I said that a large percentage of your business logic is actually written in JavaScript. Those of uh, you who are listening might be kind of like, you know, Spidey sense is tingling here. And that means that, oh, my gosh, I can update a little bit of my code here. In fact, this is kind of this is at least for me, one of the biggest benefits besides the reduced redundancy, right, code redundancy. But the, one of the biggest benefits of using a technology like React Native is it allows you to update out of band. So if you've got a bug that you shipped, and Lord knows we've all shipped bugs, right? Um, and it is catastrophically starting to earn you one-star reviews, or you've got business users who are just going insane, crazy mad because they can't use some portion of their of the app that they wanted to, well, you can kind of adopt that web-like agility and hotfix that bugger. Um, you can push an update. And then, without having to go through the app store, wait two, three, seven days for the kind of the gatekeepers at the Apple app Apple app store to uh, accept your update. That afternoon, the next ten minutes, you can update five, six, seven, ten times a day if you want to, and that allows you to kind of fix bugs push out incremental feature updates, or even do some A-B testing that you wouldn't really be able to do in a world where you've got to wait many, many days before you can actually get new code out there. And so this is actually one of the places where where Microsoft kind of has made some of the largest contributions to the React Native ecosystem. As I said before, Facebook really owns react native as a uh, as a platform and as a framework uh, where where Microsoft has probably made uh, at least certainly the most used contribution is in a service called code push uh, code push we rolled out you know, about between a year and a year and a half ago uh, and it supports both react Native and Cordova uh, Cordova because again it's a JavaScript based framework uh, enjoy some of the same benefits here and code push allows you to essentially take that um, that business logic that JavaScript bundle push it up to Azure and then every time that um, it can be on anything it can be every time someone starts the app or wakes the app up or maybe they click on a button whatever. Every single one of those mobile endpoints, every single one of those mobile clients can do a little gentle ping out into the ether, out into the cloud, and the cloud can say, and asks, hey, hey, cloud, knock, 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 do you have an update for me? Azure says, hell yeah, I got an update for you. Here's a brand new JavaScript bundle, buddy. It downloads that JavaScript bundle, installs it, unzips it, and installs it on your your mobile uh, device, and then bada bing, bada boom, you've got brand new code, brand new version of the app with the bug fixed, the new feature exposed. Whatever kind of change happened there. And um, and so code push, Microsoft kind of unveiled this, like I said, about a year and a half ago, between a year and a year and a half ago. it's We've been giving it away for free. We've been just like, you know, giving it to the masses, shouting out all the love to all the developer peeps out there, saying, hey, go out there, use it. Um, and so, this is this has actually earned us. I think. Um, well. It, it's from the developers that I, I've i talked to, it's earned us a lot of love among the React Native community. And when you pair it with some of the other investments that we've made in things like VS Code, uh, in things like control frameworks like React XP, which just got announced oh, maybe two or three weeks ago from the Skype team. Um, and even our um, uh, kind of announcement at F8 this last year uh, that we brought the Windows platform to React Native as well so that, you know, uh, the good folks at Facebook, they had already built out a um, an endpoint or a um, uh, kind of the UI components for iOS and Android. Um, and we, in partnership with the Windows team, built it out for Windows as well. So that gives you yet another endpoint so that you can get iOS, Android, and UWP Windows just like you can with Xamarin.
0: Cool. And you know building on the the code push stuff that you were talking about there like is there anything that you need to worry about like i can imagine if the user is sort of mid flow in an application you could get into some like weird scenarios if you just swap out versions of the app or something oh yeah it. dude that's is a good that, question is that's that something where just as a developer you have to be conscious of when you you flip the switch or
1: yeah you you, you totally got it i mean so we provide a, a number of different options for ways that developers can do that so we can you can make um, updates mandatory or not mandatory you you can throw a uh, essentially a dialogue, right, That's or an action screen that says, do you want to update now or do you want to wait? Uh, so it's really up to the developer to decide when the update happens. The service really just does the business of making sure that you can, you know, you have a secure place to upload the bundle, that you've got a secure way to move the bundle from point A to point B, and, um, and then layer on some of the security features there as well, like code signing, so that you know for damn sure that you know the bundle is from a trusted authority and there's no man in the middle attack there, right, right. So um, on the client side, you should do whatever is necessary to responsibly update and make sure that your your end users don't lose whatever it is they were working on or don't get frustrated with you. Right. Yeah, I can
0: imagine it just makes for a pretty jarring experience if the app just kinda changes yeah, on you totally. in the middle of right. Nobody wants that. Color scheme changes, layout changes. You're like, what the hell just happened?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like and one thing that I will say for sure here is that uh while well, it is terrific that you were able to fix bugs, and terrific that you're able to roll out new features. Under no circumstances should anyone actually change the purpose of your app, or like turn it from a um, I don't know an insurance app into I don't know a terrible fart app or something like that. I don't know. Like I mean, like your app needs to stay what it is, match the description, match the title, match all of that. This is really just for small updates you are ultimately going to want to update your native code um, and like and push a legitimate you know full update um, every once in a while but like this is amazing I so we're um, you know we, we see the and, and talk to a lot of customers about how they end up using this and how often they push updates we have developers who push out their 1.0 native bundle to the app Store native package to the App Store and then Months and hundreds of, of updates, of code push updates, go by before they actually need to send a um, a new, like, full native um, update to the App Store. So it's tremendously effective at, at kind of helping businesses and developers maintain their apps over time. Um, and so it's, like clearly it's a model that works so long as you've got that that unique benefit of being a javascript based app so then what what sort of
0: versioning is exposed then through code push like I, the other side of that that i can imagine is i have an app that i'm basically continuously deploying to it's mm-hmm. you know the app the the native app version isn't changing along the way but if you have things like error reporting you're going to want to know if it was code push 11 or 100 or something right
1: yeah yeah so that again like Freaking A, man. We should get you to come work for the team. you got all the best <laughs> questions. So, uh, so from an App Store perspective, it is always going to be you know, version 1.1 or whatever whatever version you've published. Uh, the Code Push update version, that is something that really only Code Push and you know about. Uh, so what gets exposed in the App Store is forever that it's 1.1. When you start layering in the complexity of some of your own internal reporting tools, um, you gave the example of crash reporting. That's a freaking fantastic one, right? So, if you've got uh, whether it's Crashlytics or Hockey App or, or kind of any one of those that you're using to track your crash reporting, the fact that you've got well, actually, there's two complications here. One that you've got code push updates that are going out frequently and when you're looking at version 1.1, the errors that you see, it's not necessarily the same version of the app, right? It's actually 1.1 update 32, 1.1 update 54, right? That can create confusion, but also the fact that a lot of your business logic is encapsulated in JavaScript is another part of the problem. Most of the crash reporting software out there is designed primarily to show you the native stack trace. And if 70 or 80 percent of your application is actually written in JavaScript, like the important part is probably in the JavaScript. Like that's actually where a lot of the errors end up happening and where you're where you're messing around and making changes or introducing changes. Uh, So. It just so happens, uh, some of your listeners, I know that you did uh, an interview with uh, Samina and Luke from our team a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. Uh, they may know that we're moving hockey app uh, distribution and crash reporting into a new service called Visual Studio Mobile Center. Uh, And so today, Visual Studio Mobile Center already supports crash reporting and analytics SDKs for React Native. Uh, It's actually this month that we are beginning the migration of all of our code push service into Mobile Center as well. So React Native developers will will very, very soon be able to use... Mobile Center, not just for their code push updates, but marrying that with our, um, our crash reporting, our analytics, our push notifications, all the other great services that Visual Studio Mobile Center has to offer. So I, I'm not gonna say Visual Studio Mobile Center anymore. I'm just gonna call it Mobile Center. We're, we're leaving out the Visual Studio part, right? Um, but, uh, so what we'll do, Uh, is that let's say that uh, you are using Mobile Center and you have pushed out a code push update, right? Uh, Mobile Center will know that that was update 33. It will automatically, especially if you're using the, uh, uh, the build service that's built into Mobile Center, it'll automatically generate your source map for you for that update and then it will pair that with all of the crash reporting that goes along with it, right through our SDK. So now, if you want to filter on to crashes that were for version 1.1 update 33, you can narrow it down just excuse me, to see not only the, um, uh, the the native stack traces, but also the JavaScript stack traces down to the actual source code line number. So you've got, Native stack traces, JavaScript stack traces, all traced back to the original, filtered by app version number and update version number. Uh, and so that's that's actually, like, I, I personally believe this opens up a whole new world sp- for React Native developers to kind of hopefully get a m- way better view of what's going on with their app. Because there's... There ain't another game out there that that provides that kind of um, specificity in terms of in production debugging and, and insights.
0: Right. Yeah. That that was actually going to be the next thing that that I was going to bring up. To like, what are React Native developers doing currently for you know having these two different worlds reporting? Like, do you just you know have different error reporting on your javascript side than you, than you have on the native side and then you just look in both of them is yeah, that what most people I mean,
1: do yeah a lot of the folks that i talk to are just writing their own custom solutions to try and capture it and send something back because mm. again because the react native ecosystem is just growing is just kind of is it's it's gained a foothold but it's still maturing a lot of developers are really having to swing a lot of their own tools and this has always been the thing that has made the web development community awesome. This is one of the things about the the JavaScript community that's always been, like, really, I've always respected and I've always loved myself as a JavaScript developer. If you are a JavaScript developer, if you're building apps, you're also a tool developer, right? Because we're constantly hacking around and finding our own ways of, of solving problems. And so that's what a lot of React Native developers are doing today. They're hacking a way to build their own roundabout, workaround solutions for this. I think that... One of the things that Microsoft really brings to the table, we can't or don't want to own the React Native platform, but we care about making developers successful. And so building out the tools and the services that can make people successful around the framework and the platform, that's where Microsoft has got a... um, uh, got a lot of expertise and got a lot of passion about delivering solutions. We, as a as a company, we've chosen to make our primary investments as a platform in Xamarin. I think it's a freaking awesome bet. Uh, there is there's so much strength in .NET and C Sharp built into the DNA of Microsoft. I mean, this is decades of work into that, right? But... Um, But we are also a company that built into our DNA is just like doing cool stuff with new technologies and and building tools around that. Right. And so in as much as we can take that expertise and contribute it back to something like React Native, I think that we'll make developers successful and hopefully that'll make us successful as well.
2: We like developers. We try to help developers. We love React Native developers. That is. It's a solid game plan
0: right there. This episode is sponsored by Raygun. Discover, diagnose, and understand the root cause of error, crash, and performance issues in your apps in seconds. See how your apps are really performing and where they encounter problems with Raygun's incredible full-stack software intelligence platform. Raygun works with all major programming languages and platforms, including iOS, Android, and Xamarin, giving you full visibility over every issue affecting your users. I use Raygun in all of my own apps and highly recommend you give it a try. It only takes a few minutes and you're up and running in your app. Sign up for a free trial today over at raygun.com and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. So I'm curious also to talk about the the tooling side of this as well. Like you mentioned Visual Studio Code and passing, like what sort of tools are most... React Native developers doing their work in like what's the the, the go to IDE the go to tool chain here?
1: Oh yeah, so the answer to that is that there's not a lot of consensus in the world around. Sounds like JavaScript. Which yeah. text <laughs> editor you should use? I mean, you go to any conference and you will almost find a different text editor for each individual in the um, in the audience. I, I will say that these days, when I look at demos and I see what people are using, I was. Here's a, here's a crazy thing I was at a, a Firebase workshop the other day, right? Learning a little bit about how Google's kind of doing things. And without exception, every single uh, Google developer that was up on stage, had a big screen behind them, were using VS Code. Uh, And they were using that for React Native projects. They were using that for, what else was she, web projects. I think that there's starting to be a little bit of consolidation among JavaScript developers um, around VS Code. I also see just as many, probably, using some combination of Vim or Sublime or, I don't know, man. I mean, Deco
2: got bought by airbnb right yeah
1: deco got bought by airbnb deco uh i mean deco was doing really really cool stuff yeah but i i never really saw that there was a lot of momentum behind it as like your everyday workhorse tool sure so for those of you that aren't familiar with it uh deco was essentially an editor that provided um a bunch of i'm gonna call them special value editors uh so that you could you know, when you were adjusting the font size, do a little slider back and forth and see the font actually dynamically update in your running app. Mm. Uh, or you could use a color picker from within the editor and see it dynamically change in the running app. I didn't talk about this too much before, but one of the things that uh, that actually, this is a terrific parallel between Xamarin and React Native. Um, I am terrific. Terrifically excited about the live player uh, app that Xamarin announced at Build just yesterday, right? Yep. Um, Super, super cool thing. I'm really, really glad that we have been able to bring that to C Sharp developers. Um, Not to steal their thunder at all, because again, it's Super awesome, but that's actually a, a page taken directly from the React Native playbook. Uh, React Native developers, uh, since the very beginning, have been able to see incremental updates in a running version of their app for the same reason that I was talking about earlier. All you have to really do is push a little bit of JavaScript code back over to the, um, the player app and... Automatically, it updates, and that's really easy to do when you're working with kind of uncompiled code, where it's just a little bit of a JSON change or a little bit of a JavaScript line number change that you got to push right on over to the app. Um, now that we're able to do that with Xamarin, this is actually this is completely eroding, frankly, some of the the primary value props or, or reasons for using uh, React Native. I mean, there will always be the language differences between sure. JavaScript and C sharp, but you know, one of the the few things that only React Native developers could do before, now we as Xamarin developers also have the ability to do. Um, but um, but Deco exploited or or kind of not exploited, made the best use of yeah. uh, <laughs> that particular uh, part of the development workflow by layering in additional UI controls in the editing environment. So just like straight up answer the question directly. I see a lot of fragmentation in terms of editors. Um, Of course, Facebook has made a bet on Atom plus Nuclide. I actually had a a really great conversation with Adam Wolf, their uh, director of engineering for the React Native platform the other day. He came and joined us here at Build um, to talk about Microsoft and Facebook's contributions to React Native. And, um, you know, I like... They even within Facebook, like recognize that vs code has got a really maybe even a lot of perf benefits to offer over what Atom plus nuclide is able to do today. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll we'll convince them even inside the um, gilded <laughs> walls of Facebook to make a switch over to to vs code. But um, like there is uh, when paired with the react Native extension for vs code, the ability to get IntelliSense, to get code snippets, to give it, get command line integration and built-in debugging. I am clearly prejudiced, but I happen to think that, uh, that it offers a pretty damn good uh, solution. So then you do get things like setting breakpoints and all of that in your JavaScript code? Oh, in yeah. your React components and all of that stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can you can set breakpoints directly there from within your code, um, you know. Dink around, play with it, edit and continue, and then just like you get with a live player, right? And paired between Visual Studio or VS for Mac, um, so too in in uh, VS Code paired with the essentially the React in the React Native app, you get instant incremental updates, so you can change color, change font size, change business logic, whatever, and get that really, really fast web-like workflow where it's just totally riffing on your code. Cool. Um, and kind of
0: continuing along the lines of tooling a little bit, like, I'm curious to hear, uh, you know, the more JavaScript is kind of taken over the web and, you know, building out big, you know, single-page app kind of things, uh, there are times where a single, like, JavaScript error can just sort of... T- Render an app useless, take it down. Um, like JavaScript doesn't by itself give you many affordances or you know type checks and things like that. Like yeah, how does that yeah. manifest itself in in a native app? Like I guess the ability to quickly ship updates has to help a little bit, but sure. like what can you do to to stabilize those things or catch those things?
1: So, um, uh, I JavaScript is not exempt from crashing your app. Uh, nor is native code exempt from crashing your app. Anything can crash your app. So we can all write bad code. Um, having said that, particularly over the last, oh, I don't know, couple years, especially kind of with the advent of, of TypeScript and Babel, the uh, the JavaScript community has done kind of a funny thing. The JavaScript community has d- collectively decided that they want to, look, to more, look more like a compiled, strongly typed language, um, which is just weird and odd and wonderful all at the same time right i think the javascript community is is really taking a lot of lessons and learning a lot from languages like c sharp that have come before it and started to to kind of Um, help developers better understand the benefits of typing and really good tooling. And so React Native um, makes use of some of those tools. You can use TypeScript with React Native. Uh, By default, it uses Babel, which is essentially a... um, It's a little bit different, but provides many of the same um, kind of uh, affordances and and checks in terms of typing. Um, So these days... You start to see a lot more in common, I think, with JavaScript languages and C sharp than what a lot of people expect to see when they're thinking about the old days when we were all using jQuery to manipulate the DOM, and uh, you know the uh, fluidity of untyped variables was embraced. Right? Uh, it's it's a lot more about you know strong typing, you know build pipelines. Uh, You know, all linting and all the work that goes into making sure that whatever it is that you ship is of super high quality without a single developer having to have a complete map in their mind of how individual variables are mutating kind of over kind of the state of the application. Uh, And I think that there's some other areas where we as a um, as as tooling providers no service can providers can also kind of really help developers in order to increase the their confidence of their app in the face of delivering at increased velocity right like all of us want to be able to ship frequently i don't think i've ever met a developer who said you know what i really wished we only shipped every year or, you know, every quarter. We should really slow this down, guys, right? Um, I don't know Maybe I haven't talked to enough people in government or something like that, but um, at least among the developers I talk to, they all wish that they were shipping faster and were a little bit more agile. And so this is where layering in good CI, CD workflows, continuous integration, continuous delivery workflows, and um, good telemetry and crash reporting and analytics can really help because it allows you to kind of provide the the checks and the balances at build time, right? So are you executing unit tests? Are you executing UI automation testing? Um, Are you putting it in the hands of developers or, or trusted confidants for manual testing? you know, often, early and often. And then once you've passed through all of those checks, do you have the appropriate telemetry systems in place to help you evaluate the health of your application in production? And this is this is not something that is unique to React Native development. These are these are practices that are good for all of us. Right. Um, and I think like that is really what we're trying to do with mobile center, right? Uh, mobile center, our our entire aim is to take those Weeks and months, the developers, at least all the developers I've talked to, are spending today to set up their wicked, awesome Jenkins server that is finely tuned to all their processes, but took them freaking months and like in gray hairs and tears and blood and just like <laughs> frustration, right? Um, and just erase all of that and hopefully set them up with a good CI/CD workflow and a space of maybe... 5, 10, or 15 minutes, right? So, and this is why it's so important, not just for kind of native developers, but I think in particular React Native developers to, to be able to get this, because while we have introduced more typing through things like TypeScript and Babel, Uh, It is, it's still being layered on top of an existing JavaScript system, and it's not just baked into the framework and the platform itself in the same way that C-sharp is, or that Objective-C is, or that Java is, right? And so... The, um, let's actually, let's, let's, can we, can we tease some of those things apart and talk a little bit about, um, about how to actually like ensure quality, um, at speed. So we all know that unit tests are the things that we all should do. We all tell ourselves we'll do, but when we go to sleep at night, we know that we probably should have written more than just that one unit test that just, you know, checks that A equals B. I don't know, whatever. Right. So. One, when checking into whatever your source code repository is, GitHub or VSTS or Bitbucket, wherever it's at, um, the way the mobile center works is that we're set up to automatically run builds immediately on commit to whatever branch you've identified as the one of importance. Um, when we do that, we've got hooks to automatically run those unit tests. That's sanity check number one. Typical good practice for any kind of CICD system, right? After that, hand it over to test now um, uh, some of your listeners may already be familiar with xamarin test cloud Uh, xamarin test cloud is being folded into mobile center as um, what we call our test service or uh, our test beacon right so once you hand it over to there and you can kind of then run through a gambit of whatever ui automation is appropriate for your app across and here's the crazy thing
2: i think we've got
1: Something like over four thousand device config possible device configurations. Am I
2: am I right here, Joe? Yes, uh, we have so many devices, especially on Android, and then also across all the different versions. So it's uh, basically if we don't have it, let us. It doesn't know. exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, but you know we, and then we go out and find it as well.
1: Yeah, and actually, I, like here's where I want to take an aside and talk about the device center that these uh, that these things are running is. Freaking incredible. It's bananas. So you go in, and it's like, you know, your typical data center, static free room. Everyone might as well be wearing lab coats and plastic gloves kind of thing. But on the on the racks, instead of having, you know, razor servers or anything like that, instead what you've got are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mobile devices hooked up via USB with black tape over them. Black tape over them because we don't want to, like... Well, not only do we not want to blind all of our, um, you know, engineers and IT staff in there, but also because we care about the privacy of all those apps that are running, right? And these things are just constantly loading and reloading new apps every couple of seconds, practically on them, and. Every time one of those new apps loads up, it runs and it then gets automatically deleted, so that there's no information saved, anything like that. It is a super, super cool um, facility. Uh, today we've got the the one in Europe. We're opening up a new one in the very near future, um, and and I expect that as Mobile Center just explodes, that we're probably going to have these guys all over the world. It's it's mind boggling how they've these guys have set this thing up, but. Um, take advantage of that run a couple ui tests like use the app like your users would use but without having to have fat fingers to punch it around
2: and also you can even just start with a a startup test so we we have a new feature that we launched a couple weeks ago where on commit you can just uh, run a startup test you know if you have an ios app it'll just select a random ios app and it will you know start it up you'll get a screenshot of your you know your landing page or the you know the, the first page of your app. And it's just a great way to actually see your app, make validate that it actually is working, and you actually get to see that it got installed on a real device, you know, somewhere and it in the startup world. startup works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it works. It's so like it's-
1: brilliant sanity check. And that is automatic. So I was, you know, talking this is all about helping you get up with that CI/CD quickly, 5, 10, 15 minutes. You I if 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 any of your listeners can't do that inside of 5 minutes, Call me. Right. (laughs) There is at the at the bottom right hand corner (laughs) of Brian's phone number. (laughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) where that chat box goes, right? Right. It goes straight to my phone. Uh, Actually, uh. it's funny. It actually does go straight to my phone. Uh. I get notifications when uh, when people put stuff in there.
0: That's why I get quick responses. That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But all right. So you got your UI tests that that run. So at this point. Let's get it in the hands of a couple of trusted confidants, a couple of beta testers. Right, sure. this is important. So, assuming that your your unit tests pass, that your UI test pass, then it's e- an easy handoff to distribution. Um, some listeners may already be familiar with Hockey App. Uh, Hockey App is a company that Microsoft acquired three years ago, about something like that. Um, and many people already use it for distribution of their app-to-beta testers, and crash reporting. And so when I talk about those two kind of um, feature sets within Mobile Center, really what I'm talking about is us migrating all of that functionality into a single consolidated dashboard where people can make use of kind of all the goodness that Xamarin Test Cloud previously provided, Hockey App, well, previously and still provides, right, Uh, that Visual Studio Team Services provides for the build systems, uh, that Code Push still provides and will provide really all that we're doing is we're taking all of those like magical services the developers love and integrating them together so that you don't have to do the work of connecting the dots for all of these best practices that we should all really be doing but often we don't because it takes extra time and thought to stitch them together so M- mobile center will then just automatically hand that off to your distribution groups right and then they get a nice little push notification that says, hey, Ryan, Joe, you've got a new app update available. Download it, give it a try, and then they can start playing around with it. And at this point, this is when you start to look a little bit more towards your telemetry services that provide you information about, is my app crashing? Am I getting errors? Are users actually engaging with it so that I know that I'm actually getting coverage on the kind of the gambit of devices that I care about, right the gambit of languages and geographical regions that I care about. And all of this together are just inputs that that we need as developers to make sure that we're delivering quality products, quality apps at um, at quality despite the fact that we are taking advantage of something like code push to send out updates every couple of hours i would actually be a pretty ambitious developer that's doing it every couple of hours but hey uh, you know
0: maybe so we're coming up on the end of uh our time here is there so anything soon that, man so i know i such know a great time it's been so much fun <laughs> we'll just have to have you back on for some more episodes um but is but before we wrap is there anything that you want to make sure that we cover that we give our listeners any takeaways or, or did we get it all
1: Oh no! I so I would say for your listeners, um, I am I'm super jazzed about the work that we're doing in Mobile Center. I hope you guys will check it out. Uh, we're at mobile.azure.com. Uh, it is a it's a really it's evolving quickly, and so go in, try it out, give us some feedback. If the feature that you don't want is or that you want is not there. <laughs> Actually if the feature you well, don't we'll want you is there, too, yeah. Let tell us, us about that too. <laughs> Let us know. But if the feature you want <laughs> call is not Ryan there. And yeah, tell call Ryan. That is
0: a feature you don't <laughs> want that is there. It just bothers you so much so that it's there. <laughs> oh, it gets
1: under my skin. Uh, but yeah, like give us feedback. Uh we we frankly we want to we want to make developers more productive and like that is that is what I eat breathe sleep every day my job is to make your app kick ass and and you to have fun doing it so if there's something that you're doing today whether it's in react native or javascript or swift or objective c or java or wherever it's at c sharp right if there's something you're doing every day that you really wish you didn't have to do anymore let us know let us automate that shit, right? We're going to automate it for you so that you don't have to do it and you can spend more time doing what you love.
2: Awesome. That well, is a solid note. Again, mobile.azure.com. And uh, yeah, looking forward to helping you out with your mobile app. Yeah, man. Thanks again so much for having us. It's yeah. It's been a
1: pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's great to have you on. Again, we'll, we'll definitely have to have you on for, for some more episodes. But um, until then, thanks as always for everyone for listening and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.